Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, 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 hey. What up, what up, though? It's your boy Reggie Watkins, and you are listening to I'm Probably Right. Rate us, review us, subscribe, comment, but don't be hating. Make sure you find us anywhere you get your podcast. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, we're on, uh, I don't know wherever else. But the main spot that you got to go to get to us is the Believe Podcast Networks. And that's at Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. They got all kinds of good content, but the best content is our content. I'm probably right. My man Kevin Cleveland is running the show, producing, engineering. Kevin, what's cracking? How you doing, brother? I am doing great on uh, Super Bowl week. Looking forward to Sunday. Yeah, man. Yeah. And so you, so so Kevin, we I think we just talked about this. You had an opportunity to buy Super Bowl. Well, you might have had because you are a season ticket holder for the Rams, so they give you a lottery to possibly get a chance to go to the Super Bowl at face value. Which do you know the rough rough estimate of the face value ticket? I have no clue, but member champion or the uh, NFC Championship, my face value was three hundred, and they were selling for eleven to twelve hundred. I gotta think a Super Bowl ticket in my section three forty four face value probably would have been eight hundred to a thousand, maybe, and I bet they would go for five thousand each easily. Yeah, which which you would have sold. <laughs> in all honesty, <laughs> being even the biggest Ram fan, yeah, I'll take the money and run. Hell yes, you take the money and run. This these prices are astronomical. I've been looking. I because I I was looking into getting some some Ram season tickets. Just thinking about it because SoFi is just the most beautiful stadium ever, and they play my Niners once a year, and I'd like to see that. Um, so I was looking into maybe getting some season tickets, and they sent me uh you know a link to look at the Super Bowl packages. Five thousand eight hundred dollars is what the package was going for, and that's a ticket. And you get to come to the game early. You get parking, and you get a couple of drinks. Man, I wish I would pay five thousand eight hundred dollars to watch a damn football game. Are you crazy? I mean, the game looks better at home, anyways. But it's just it's just showing you how much money is out here in this damn world. And now they're doing all kind of NFTs with the tickets and all kind of stuff. And Kevin, are you familiar with the NFTs? I actually have two of them. Two of the games they deposited them into my Ticketmaster account. I don't know what they do or how it works, but that's what they did. <laughs> I, don't know. I have no idea what the hell they do. All I know is that it's a place for rich people to spend the money that they ain't spending anywhere else. I, I That's all I can think of of these damn NFTs is people spending money in exorbitant ways that they don't need to, but they got it, so they do it. Um, I, th- you know, and usually Super Bowl week, Hell, it's Super Bowl weeks, right? Because we got two weeks leading up to the game, but this is the actual week because the game will be this Sunday, February 13th. But usually you get all the media stuff. But Kevin, for some reason, I don't feel like I'm, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like Super Bowls of past. Am, am I wrong? Or Well, you must not be watching network television then because it is all over network te- television. That's all they talk about. Uh, on the okay, news. yeah. But that's where it's at. Okay, yeah, well, no, I've watched some news and I've seen like the news reports of, you know, the Super Bowls in L.A. and and where to, you know, avoid traffic and where the hot spots and the games are going to be. And so, oh, I even saw a uh, scammers news report where they're trying to you're know, trying to uh, save people from getting scammed. People are selling all types of stuff 
uh, here in L.A. You know, it's L.A. It's the, it's the home of the scammers, baby. We got scammers here. They're selling everything. They're fake game tickets. There's fake merchandise. Um, there was a fake Lombardi trophy, which I have to say, if you get scammed into buying a fake Lombardi trophy, thinking that somebody actually has this to sell to you, I have got some great beachfront property to sell you in Antarctica. So holla at your boy if you're looking for that beachfront in Antarctica, because I got you. I, who the hell is buying a fake Lombardi trophy? Who is buying a trophy thinking that one of these teams sold this trophy? To who? To, to my man Gilbert down on, uh, on La Cienega? Gilbert on La Cienega got a Lombardi trophy to sell you. Man, get the hell up out of here. What is wrong with people? But I, I, I guess I have not been paying attention to all the network, uh, you know, the, the Super Bowl stories. And I, I guess I just don't watch SportsCenter like that anymore, so I don't see it all day. But what I have seen is the rise of Joe Burrow. Boy, I tell you, the rise of Joe if Kevin, if he wins this Super Bowl, they're already – Joe Burrow is already, like – everybody's Mr. Cool Cat, right? And I like Joe Burrow. I, please don't get me wrong. Joe Burrow is is dope to me. I think the boy could play ball. And, you know what I'm saying, I mean, let's just be real. You know, whenever there's a white boy who has some, you know, kind of some African-American tendencies or, or, or kind of seems to lean into it a little bit, we just love them dudes, right? Like Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake was singing the hip-hop and the R&B and the falsetto, and we love Justin Timberlake because they started doing that country stuff, and I, I, couldn't, I couldn't mess with Justin no more. But Joe Burrow is, is you know what I'm saying? Cool cat from Ohio, used to play ball, basketball, and you could always tell, you know what I'm saying, especially you could tell the, uh, the white athletes, that play basketball, they lean in a little bit more towards the uh, the African American way of life with things, right? So Joe Burrow's been been caught up on the camera with the with the bling on and talking about how he, he too, got too much money to not have fake to to not have a, a not real chain, you know. Uh, he got the Nike gear on and you know the swagged out and yada yada and people are making him into the new Joe Montana, the new Joe Namath. If he wins this Super Bowl, good lord. He's all. I mean, I was listening to Monty Jones the other day. And he's talking about if Joe Burrow wins this Super Bowl after all this. I mean, hell, this is only his second year in the league, right? If they get to a Super Bowl and he wins, and that dude just has good seasons for the next ten years, you know, he's just good. He's a Hall of Famer. I mean, just off this narrative alone, for winning a Super Bowl for Cincinnati which is improbable as it sounds, and we'll get to that in a bit. But if he can do that with the narrative that's swirling around him and he's the white boy that, that everybody loves and got the swag, oh, my God, he's going to be untouchable. And wait till you see all the commercials. You think Baker Mayfield got commercials. Joe Burrow about to have commercials. He's going to have commercials, commercials. I mean, he's going to be selling everything. He'll it make, look, <laughs> <laughs> you, what can he not sell if he wins this Super Bowl? Hell, he probably don't even got to win the Super Bowl to get all the endorsements he's about to get. They going to love this dude. And he seems like a cool cat, too. Yo, money is about to rake in for this cat. Because I know I tell you where the money is not going to come when it's time for Cincinnati to re-sign him to a uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen type deal. Yeah, uh, Mike Brown ain't coming off that loot like that. That is not happening. Uh, you could do the you could do the research into the Cincinnati Bengals franchise. They are the cheapest of the cheap. 
Uh, so Joe Burrow is going to eat it up right now and, and Cincinnati enjoy it. But boy, when it's time to renegotiate, it's going to be tough sledding. And then on the other side, we got uh, Matthew Stafford. And it's so wild that I'm seeing these reports and people just talking. And people are saying Matthew Stafford wins a Super Bowl. It solidifies his Hall of Fame status. What? What are we? How, how did this happen? Did, it, it, okay, so he goes from winning, from winning one playoff game in his entire career, making one Pro Bowl, his entire career, and he wins a Super Bowl, and all of a sudden he's a Hall of Famer. What is, we got to stop doing this. And the, and the problem, and, and you know what's, what's happening is you're getting guys like Eli Manning starting to pop up here. And Eli Manning is going to pop up because they're, people are going to sort of push him into the, into the Hall of Fame when Eli Manning just had two great seasons of postseason play. Eli Manning for his career was average. Got to the postseason, and then two times in the postseason, he had great, great seasons, great postseasons. And that is what makes a Hall of Fame career. The man led the league interception about four times. I got, I got to look it up, but I know he's led the league in interceptions multiple times. Never, ever, ever was considered the best quarterback in football. I don't even think you could ever say he was the top, a top five quarterback in football anytime he ever played. There was always four dudes you'd rather have over Eli Manning, maybe six. And that's Hall of Fame. Right. So this. So if Eli, if the narrative starts and the narrative has been going that Eli is a Hall of Famer, then all Matt Stafford has to do is win a Super Bowl because Matt Stafford ain't never led the league in interceptions multiple times like like Eli Manning. And Matt Stafford is all is a dude that everybody looks at and thinks, oh, he should be great. He should be good. But he was always just uh, big arm could throw the ball really well. But uh, had Calvin Johnson never got it done. Uh, one playoff victory in his entire career with the Lions. One Pro Bowl appearance in his entire career with the Lions. So that tells you the same thing about Eli Manning. He was never anybody's top four, top five quarterback at any time in his career. Except for this year, he started playing well. And then he ended up having the, the, the weeks where he had the multiple interceptions, the pick sixes. And he ballooned up his, his interceptions. And, and he dropped out of the MVP race, which is Matt Stafford. But we're going to make him a Hall of Famer because of one Super Bowl? My God, we got to stop with this. And we got to stop having these damn writers. Uh, we got to stop having the writers and people who, who don't really play the game voting for this thing. Especially in the Baseball Hall of Fame where Barry Bonds was robbed once again and has been robbed for his lifetime because he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame because he couldn't pass the ballot. I mean, I think it would be dope to see Joe Burrow win the Super Bowl, but come on, man. We got to, the, 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 you know what I'm saying? What, what is it? The, the, the glass slipper got to break. Uh, the carriage got to turn back into the pumpkin this week. The Cincinnati Bengals, I don't know. Kevin, can you name three players on the Bengals besides Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and, and T. Higgins? Can you name three? I got one more. Tyler Boyd. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not doing this to say, like, you got to have name players. But 
usually the people who got a name is because they do some damn things that make you remember them, right? And so the Cincinnati Bengals, I don't know anybody on their defense. Not anybody. I know Hendrickson. Hendrickson, the pass rusher, okay? I know that dude. Um, I know Eli Apple, I think, is there, which is insane because he was awful with the Giants. And I thought he was out the league, but I guess he is back in the league, and he's with the Cincinnati Bengals or been there for a while, right? And I know him because he got the interception. I think he got an interception uh, against Patrick Mahomes a couple weeks ago. That's the only reason I knew he was still playing for the damn – he was still in the league. Uh, and on offense, their offensive line is trash. Nine sacks they gave up. We'll repeat this because we talked about it last week. They gave up nine sacks to the Titans. Should have lost that game if not for whack-ass uh, Ryan Tannehill which the Titans have come out and said that they are, uh, Aaron Rodgers is not an option for them. And I guess the option for them is to be mediocre and never win a damn thing in, t- in Tennessee. That's what they want to do. Uh, but they have the worst offensive lines left in the playoffs. And so if they got, they give up nine sacks to the Titans with nobody of record that we can even count on, right? And then they get to the Chiefs and the Chiefs ain't got no pass rush either. And that game goes to overtime. What the hell is this boo-boo offensive line going to do with Aaron Donald coming up the middle and then Von Miller on the outside? They have no answer. They have two dudes that need to be double teamed on their defensive line. Who are you going to double team? What are you going to do? So who's going to be singled up? Where? This offensive line is about to be in a world of trouble. And that's this is the same thing that happened last year in the Super Bowl where we just thought, Patrick Mahomes was so damn dope that he could overcome having a boo-boo offensive line. You can't do that when you get to this level of the game. These are the two best teams left, and they're there for a reason. The Rams are here because they have the, they have the uh, what is it, the, 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 the all-stars, the monsters. They got everybody. They've got a defense. They've got an offense. The, the Bengals have nothing. Okay, so what are they going to do on, on defense? You're going to double Cooper Cup? No, they're not because Cooper Cup's a white dude. And for some reason, uh, coaching staffs don't like to pay attention to the white dude who's been balling all year long. They want to treat him like he is the quote-unquote white dude who shouldn't be doing what he's doing, but he keeps doing it because people won't double-team him. Kyle Shanahan. So what are you going to do? You're going to double-team Cooper Cup, and then you leave OBJ, who the Rams got for nothing. Got for nothing because... The media and the world try to convince us that OBJ sucked because Baker Mayfield was trash. So who you double? And then what do you do? What do you do? What, okay, how do you stop the run, right? You got Sony Michelle, Cam Akers. The offensive line is, is one of the top five in the NFL. The Bengals are so against it, but for some reason, we are going to talk ourselves into thinking that one man alone could get this done, Joe Burrow. And I'm telling you right now, it just ain't happening. It ain't happening. It, this, is, this is just David. This is David and Goliath, but Goliath about to whoop David's ass. Okay, this is that's what this is. I got the Rams winning this game. I don't think it's going to be close. I feel like the Rams should blow them out. Hell, it's a home game, even though, you know, the stadium's going to be filled probably 50-50, and most of the people there are going to be a bunch of corporate people. Um, I got the Rams winning this big. I bet my friends. I'll be in Vegas this weekend, and I'll put a bet down in Vegas as well. Uh, I'm going Rams. I think it's at four and a half. Maybe it dropped down to four if people lost their minds and was putting money on the Bengals. Um, 
Go Rams. Never thought I'd be saying that in 2022, but uh, I want my money to work. So go Rams. But Lord, if Joe Burrow can pull this off, you thought Tom Brady <laughs> nostalgia was going to be insufferable after he retired. You ain't seen nothing yet. We'll be back after the break. NBA trade deadline is upon us. February 10th, that'll be uh, tomorrow, actually. We're, we're recording this on February 9th, uh, Wednesday. And uh, things are starting to heat up. Things are starting to heat up. Uh, the Blazers have uh, effectively hit the reset button, which they should have done a long time ago. You know, Kevin, I really think that a lot of these NBA people should just hire me because I will make the tough calls and uh, I will make the ruthless trades. I would have... Okay, so the, the, the Blazers just traded uh, McCollum to the Pelicans for basically no, no, nothing. I mean, they got back... No, not nothing. They got back Josh Hart. They got uh, uh, Alexander Nikhil Walker. Um, they got Thomas Sodoransky and uh, a, a future first-round pick, right? And these first-round picks don't matter in the NBA anymore because... If you're not drafting in the lottery or even the top of the lottery, basically what you're getting is a project. I mean, even the, the beginning of the lottery is all projects because nobody stays in school anymore. Everybody's there for one year if they're any good. And you're getting a bunch of overseas players as well that you don't really know and see how they're going to play against uh, the NBA talent, right? So these are all just lottery picks that probably ain't going to pan out if they're not the first three picks. So they traded C.J. McCollum. And basically just hit the reset button on the Blazers franchise, except they still got Dame Lillard there, who has stuck with this loyalty thing for years, for years, holding on to this loyalty. And I get it. He's from the Bay. I'm from the Bay. I get it. You want to sound like, hey, hey, man, we, we loyal to the soil. We don't, we don't, we don't run when things get tough. Dog, he should have ran years ago. But now he's stuck there, and the Blazers are stuck there because they've sent McCollum, which I always thought those two guys on the same team were just a horrible fit. They're two little guards who basically play the same position, except for Dame is better than C.J. McCollum, but C.J. McCollum never got to be his full self because Dame always had the ball more than him. So you got these two little guys who who one guy gets to do exactly what he wants to do. The other guy is marginalized a bit because he's standing in the shadow of the other dude, right? But at the same time, both of those little guards play no defense. So the middle of the Blazers, <laughs> the middle of the Blazers defense was always on assault, okay? Causing their big men, uh, you know, Nurkic to always be in foul trouble. You know, I saw this in the playoffs last year and the year before last always in foul trouble because those guys are turnstiles people get into the lane on them all day and so now they've sent McCollum to the to the Pelicans which is a good move for the Pelicans right if they're gonna we still don't know what's going on with Zion Williamson I mean he hasn't played all year long and all I've heard is he hasn't played all year long but the boy's been eating all year long that's what we've heard right and we've seen pictures and he looked like he blown up I don't know I hope that he's doing his his due diligence and working out and staying in shape and all this stuff. But but you just don't know. Haven't seen him all year. But if they could mess around and have McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson on the same squad, that's a nice big, that's a nice, uh, you know, big-ish three. 
biggish three. But the Blazers, they've got nothing. Now they're going to have to trade Dame for nothing. Nobody is going to give them what they would really want for that. Because what they should have been doing is trading Dame earlier in the year for Ben Simmons. That should have been the thing they wanted to do right away. But they didn't want to hear those trade talks. They didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to do it. Most probably because Ben Simmons would get there and then Ben Simmons would play out the year and decide, I don't want to be here. And they'd have to trade him too. Because why? It's Portland. I cannot stress enough (laughs) how much cities matter when it comes to the NBA. Because the NBA and the money and the guaranteed money is so much that your city is basically a deciding factor in almost everything. People can give you, they can pay you all this money. You get this, everybody's slotted the same, right? You're going to get this max contract. You can go anywhere and get the max contract. But now, where do I actually want to have this max contract? And it ain't in Portland. I mean, they got voodoo donuts and maybe one club where where, where you can go and kick it and hear some hip-hop and do your damn thing. Other than that, bruh, I want to go to L.A. I want to go to Miami. I want to maybe be in Philly. I want to be in Chicago. I want to be in New York. Everything else, uh, maybe Golden State, the Bay Area, right? Everything else, miss me. So Portland is reset because they're always going to be on this treadmill of they either got to hit a lick in the draft and get like a one, two, or third pick, right? That's going to be a game-changing, franchise-altering player and win in the first seven years because usually after that seven years or before that seven years, that player is going to want to get the hell up out of Portland unless they win or unless they found some kind of way to clone Tim Duncan, who was the only superstar who ever wanted to stay in an obscure market like that. Anybody else would have been out of there. L.A., New York, Chicago, Miami would have been gone. But it's few and far betweens where you're going to find these Tim Duncan clones. So Portland is, is on the reset. And then you got on the, on the East Coast, you got the Nets, who look like a dumpster fire right now, losing all these games. Hell, last night they played a game, and I saw, <laughs> I saw a clip where they look like, they, somebody said they look like they're out there running the 2K offense. Just pass back, pass back, pass back, pass back, go around, go around, put up a shot. It just looked awful. It looked remedial. But there's talks about they're trying to trade James Harden. James Harden doesn't want to be there anymore. He doesn't like what's going on. And this thing is just going to blow up because, you know what I'm saying, KD came there to play with Irving. Then they got Harden there to play with Irving and and KD. But then Irving decided he didn't want to play because he didn't want to get the vaccine. Then KD gets hurt. Now, this just looks like trash, and they're trying to salvage something for it. And I think they can make a trade that helps both people, but it's going to involve the Philadelphia 76ers sending Simmons to the Nets, the Nets sending Harden over and figuring out the ancillary pieces around it. And whoo-wee, if this goes down, the Nets instantly, when, when KD comes back and if Kyrie ever decides to get the vaccine so he can actually play every game, can you imagine a Nets lineup with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, that, oh my God. De- Kevin Durant already is an underrated defensive player. Ben Simmons is probably the best defensive player in the entire league. And you're adding him to that firepower? Oh my God. 
And on the other side, with the Sixers, you put Kevin, you put uh, James Harden with Joel Embiid, who is the best big man in the game right now. I love, uh, you know what I'm saying, um, Nikolai Jokic, but yo, Embiid is that dude for real. You give him Harden a space, a, a player who can who can play on the on the on the, on the perimeter and and create space and get him buckets and shoot threes. The Sixers are going to be out of this world too. I mean, you're gonna the East is going to be loaded, would be loaded if you could give if man, you're gonna have the Bucks who just last night I watched them play the Lakers and just there's nothing you could do with the Bucks, absolutely nothing. I've said this for a long time and I I, I kind of jumped the gun a little bit last, yesterday. I was on Twitter and Instagram and I was talking about LeBron James being still the best player in the world at 19 and 19 years in, which is a little hyperbolic. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is, uh, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think he's the best player in the game. It's just you, you, you can't do anything with that kid. There's nothing you can do. He's hitting jumpers now. He was hitting threes, and when he hits that, okay, good luck stopping him from getting to the lane. Now you got to come out and guard him from far away, and he first steps you to death, just going right by you, dunking on you, blocking, and he's just so hungry. Oh my God, he was punking Anthony Anthony Davis all night. Blocked his shot a couple times, just kept him out the lane. The first quarter, the Lakers shot nothing but threes because Giannis was keeping everybody out the lane. What do you do with this man? And he plays so hard. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm digressing for the trades, but my God, that team is loaded. And Chris Middleton finally showed up as the superstar they've needed. They've got everything they need. They are winning a championship again. Unless... One of these trades happened, and you mess around and get Ben Simmons out there with KD and Irving on a full-time level, my God. Even the Sixers, Embiid and Harden on a full-time level with, with Seth Curry and Tobias Harris, oh, man, they're scary. And then you 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 talk about the, the Lakers. What are they going to do? Can they get a trade? Can they do anything to get rid of <laughs> Russell Westbrook? Kevin, I'm watching Russell Westbrook, and literally, it's it's an exercise in how many different ways can I scream at my TV? How many different ways can I sigh? How many different ways can I can I say damn? Russell Westbrook, I call him Westbrook. That's that's what Skip Bayless calls him. I hate Skip Bayless, but Russell Westbrook is just uh, it's just sad to see too. Because I Russell Westbrook was one of my favorite players of all time. He still is one of my favorite players because that dude, even though you know he was, I wasn't watching him on the regular basis, so I wasn't I was missing the turnovers and the bad shooting performances. But when I would watch him, the guy just went so hard all the time. He was exciting to watch, and he was always going to give you maximum effort. But now he's just he's lost some athletic ability. And he doesn't have the explosiveness he used to have. And so now you're just watching the dude and it's just sad. It was the same way with Allen Iverson. You knew at some point when that athletic ability started to wane, now you're watching Westbrook just as kind of a shell of himself getting older. And he hell, last night, he didn't even play in the fourth quarter. The night before that, he didn't play in the overtime at all. And he's being relegated to a starter because of, you know, the name and the and the pomp. But They've got Austin Reeves playing more minutes. They've got, uh, what's his name, Stanley Stanley uh, Young or whatever the dude's name is playing more minutes. Uh, it's just, it's sad to see. 
And they've got no recourse. They've got nothing they can do. The man is owed. He's getting $44 million. And next year, he's supposed to get, I think, 40, uh, 40, 47, 48 million dollars next year. Nobody. He has a player player's option. So he's going to opt in and take that money because why not? And they're stuck. Nobody's taking this contract. Nobody is trading for him. At the end of the day, I, I guess LeBron ain't God. LeBron, LeBron can't turn water into wine. I mean, he's done he's he's done some miracles, but it, this this miracle just can't happen. Russell Westbrook is beyond reprieve. You can't fix this man. This is who he is. This is who he's been. He doesn't know any other way, and it's sad to see an iconic player, a dude who I mean, multiple All-Star, MVP of the league, triple-double, Mr. Triple-double. And you're watching him sit on the bench in fourth quarters. And it's just the way the world, man. Father Time is undefeated. Except for when it comes to LeBron James. Because he still is the second best player in the NBA. Number one is Giannis. Number two is LeBron. So, I'm sorry I said all that. Giannis is number one. But damn, 19 seasons in and still the number two player in the NBA. I don't want to hear about no more Jordan. Don't talk to me about no damn Michael Jordan being the GOAT or none of that. He could not and has not and never did what LeBron has done for 19 straight seasons. That's the GOAT. We'll be back after the break. So, you guys are listening to I'm Probably Right. I'm Reggie Watkins, and this is my podcast that I started with my buddy Kevin. Uh, who is a producer of mine on another podcast that uh, that I work on, which I'll actually be on. Uh, we're shooting an episode next week. It's called Brothers on Football. We'll be back. And uh, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's brothers talking about football. Um, but on my podcast, I get to talk about what I like, things that I see, the way I see the world, and my thoughts on on things, right? I mean, this is what I do. I, 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 I observe and, and I... Um, I orate or or, 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 or what's the word? Is it, is it orate? I'm an orator of the things I observe in the world. And that's what I do on this podcast. And that's what anybody does on a podcast. And, you know, you don't do it so that I don't, I don't think I don't, you don't go into it hoping that you're going to get millions and millions of followers. I mean, you do it because you like talking. <laughs> you're, you're a talker, you like talking to people, you like people hearing the ideas that you have and maybe questioning you on them or going back and forth to you about them, right? You never dream that you're going to get to astronomical, you know, numbers, such as one Joe Rogan, who, by all accounts, I think he has the most popular uh, podcast on the planet. Um, I think his 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 viewership is is i mean totals are bigger than any mainstream media outlet in the world joe rogan is a soundboard basically for the world and with that comes a responsibility right whether you you wanted it or not there's a responsibility once you take on a platform and you have this many people or that many people who follow you and listen to what you say you have a responsibility to Keep them informed, but also be truthful with them, right? Be honest and be ready for any kind of blowback that comes your way. Now, in the case of Joe Rogan, 
He's a comedian, okay? And so he's been getting a lot of flack because lately he's been all on this kind of anti-vax kind of deal and talking about alternate ways of, of medicine to, to get people cured of COVID or to stay clear of COVID. And a lot of it is just irresponsible because he doesn't have real doctors on. And again, he is a comedian. He's not a doctor. He's just somebody who has an opinion and talks to other people with the opinions that share his, right? So he's been doing all this COVID talk and all this stuff. And so immediately it turns political, which is all about kill these mass mandates and and COVID is just a you know we got to just move on and the left is trying to hold on to any kind of sentiment that hey we got to be here and, and mask up and be vigilant and let's take care of this you can see it if you just turn on the news right if you got a, a democratic governor he's telling you to keep or she's telling you to keep the mask on and do this and that if you got a right a right uh you know a, a republican governor they're telling you hey Let's get rid of these mandates. Let's, 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 let's move forward. Okay. It's become political. And Joe Rogan, who by all accounts is a liberal, he's left leaning, but on this one, he's got the, the right jumping in with him, right? On these COVID, you know, trying to get people to, to stop worrying about COVID and, and these alternate medicines and whatnot. And so he's come under fire for that. And Spotify, uh, you know, which is the platform that he has his show on where they paid him a hundred million dollars, I think for four years. Um, they've got some blowback because I guess it was, um, Neil Young came out and said, you know, he didn't want to be on Spotify if they were going to harbor Joe Rogan, who was spreading non-truths about the COVID, COVID-19 and the vaccine and whatnot. And then you had Joni Mitchell come out and, and, and say she was taking her music off. And so Neil Young took his music off. Uh, uh, Joni Mitchell, you got, uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash. They all took their music off. So a bunch of old, old, old artists took their music off, but that didn't make Spotify budge or say, yo, we're not going to you know, keep messing with Joe Rogan because of this, right? It just it didn't make, it wasn't big enough, right? Neil Young used to be great. And if this was 1970s and 1960s, then damn it, you might have something, you might have something here. But right now, and I was talking to friends about this, there isn't, there, none of these, these big artists today give a damn enough to pull their music or worry about, or, or lose the money that they would, that they would, that they would lose by pulling their music off Spotify. I mean, Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, that's not enough to get Spotify to do something with Joe Rogan, right? Not even close to enough. You need to have Justin Bieber and Drake and Rihanna call up and say, yo, we got to get rid of this Joe Rogan dude, and then Spotify would listen, okay? But, but Neil Young, and they ain't moving the meter. And so Rogan came out and apologized for that, kind of, did a mea culpa, and apologize for some of the, you know, the guests he had on and the, you know, and not being as knowledgeable as he should be and kind of spreading some things that maybe he should have been more uh, vigilant about. Right. And kudos to him for doing that. You've got to be better than that. You've got this platform. People are dying from this thing. You've got to have real doctors, real scientists on and differing opinions. OK. And he said that he would do that. Cool. But then after that. You get a mashup clip that comes out. I guess India Re, who's an artist who I love. I thought she, I mean, I think she's a great, great artist. Um, she posted some clip of Joe Rogan. It's a mashup clip where Joe Rogan is saying the N-word. And we're going to use it here in the proper context of what Joe Rogan was, was using. He was saying nigger, okay? Now, we can go through this because this is what I like to do. Okay? I like to have these conversations. I'm a black man. 
I use the word nigga with my friends as a term of endearment when I'm out, when I'm, when I'm around them, right? It's something that we've changed from being a word that was used to defame us, uh, to demean us, a derogatory word, a put-down word that ended in ER that we changed to an A to mean my homie, my friend, my loved one, right? And sometimes it means somebody I can't stand, right? It just it's, it's, encompasses a lot of stuff. But Joe Rogan has this video out that somebody put out, and it's a mashup of him saying the word nigger. And there's no context to it. And immediately, whenever I see these things, because I have a brain, right? And uh, I'm, I like to think things through. Whenever I see somebody mash up a video of somebody saying a word or saying things that are disparaging with no context, I immediately know that they're trying to get me triggered without allowing me to think. And so, me being the, the, the smart person I am, I think... When I hear Joe Rogan saying this and I see this on this video, well, I got to know the context. And I also know the context of listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and knowing people who know Joe Rogan that he ain't racist. So why is he saying these words? And then you look it up and you find out that he was talking about the word in general and the use of it and it's to history and, and instances that people have said it and where he's been and things of that nature, right? And then after that, there comes a video where Joe Rogan is talking about going to see the movie Planet of the Apes in, like, I think Philly. And he says, whoa, they dropped us off in Planet of the Apes, meaning he was talking about we were black people and that ends the clip and whatever. And I saw that clip and I was like, OK, I was cool with the nigga thing. You know, what I mean, if you want to say you, you want to talk about the word, I don't give the word that kind of power. You know, and if you're using it and, and talking about it, and you know, of course, you're going to do that. that. That's what we should do. But this Planet of the Apes thing, nah, I was like, fuck that dude. And then I saw his apology come out. And he had another, he had a video where he talked about the N-word that he was talking about and the context of it. And, you know, he said, he's sorry, it's not a word that he should ever use. And, you know, as a white man, he should never use that. He's like, I look at this now. This is, I guess, from 10 years ago. I look at this now and it looks awful. I should not have done this. It sounds terrible. But... You know, it was a joke. I'm a comedian. I was trying to make a joke, which it's something I guarantee if he was sitting there with a black person on that panel who he was telling that joke to, it goes over just fine. It's funny, but it's not. You know what I mean? Like you're comparing black people to apes, which is a, you know, a tired, you know, trope that people have done forever. But I understand being a comedian and thinking you got a funny joke really quick. And uh, I guess that wasn't too funny. I guess that was bad. People make mistakes, but I don't think that Joe Rogan, and this is my overall opinion of it. I don't think Joe Rogan's a racist because of that thing there. He's not a racist. He just said something stupid in this, in this video and in, in this, this joke. And he's apologizing for it, which is all you want somebody to do. Apologize and be sorry. And I get him being sorry for that. I get him apologizing for that. I can take that. Fine. Let's move on. But what I have issue with with Joe Rogan is over-apologizing. The word nigger is a word that people from, well, hell, the 1600s have been using till today. We've been talking about this for centuries. Because how are we ever going to talk about it or get around it or figure out what to do with it if certain people can't even talk about it? 
It's a word. We've got to be able to use words, discuss words, and learn from words. And we can't learn how to go about this word or move on from this word unless we can have civilized discussions about it. So I'm just not the one to get triggered by somebody using the N-word or, or saying the N-word, especially when I know they mean no malice or no harm by it. I'm here for discussions. I'm here to move the human race along. But we can't move along if we're frozen in the past with a word. A word that's hampering part of our society from being able to come together with everybody and move along. We've got to be able to do that. And we've also got to stop getting the far left and the, and the woke people to stop making this a bigger deal than it has to be. Somebody has to stand up and say, yo, let's just have a conversation about it. I'll be that person. Yo, y'all want to put me up, you know, put me up on the TV. Let's get on TV. Let's talk about it. I'm with it. I'm okay with it. Let's have a discussion. Stop letting words trigger us and stop us from being able to come together as one. That being said, white people don't be out there using that N-word like, like, like because Reggie said you can use the N-word. Don't do that. Okay, because uh, I'm not there to protect you. So while I might be okay with you using it for context and trying to figure out how to talk about it and whatever, Craig and them might not. So watch your back, watch your mouth, guard your grill, but let's not let words stop us from moving forward as a human race. I'm Reggie Watkins. You've been listening to I'm Probably Right. Rate us, review us, subscribe, comment. Don't be hating. My man Kevin Cleveland's running the boards. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, sir. We'll see y'all next week. Happy Super Bowl. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.